What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Mark of the band As in Hell over Zoom video. Mark was born and raised in Germany and talks about how he got into music. Mark talked about the bands he listened to growing up. The very first album he ever bought, which was a, an Iron Maiden album. He talked about tape trading in the 80s where uh, you would trade different cassettes with your friends. Especially if you're in a band, you would record something and then send it to another band and then they would send you their demo. And that's really why Mark wanted to start a band in the first place because he wanted to take part in this tape trading. He has a great story about meeting Michael Polson for the first time. And then obviously years later, uh, Michael Polson's in this band with him, um, of Volbeat fame. But they toured together when they were younger. And then uh, he got a call from Michael in like 08, he said. Michael invited Mark to a show they were doing in Germany. And Mark showed up not knowing that Volbeat was as big as they were or even headlining this massive venue. Uh, and it was really funny to kind of hear that story. Um, we hear about them kind of reconnecting and working on this new project and all about the new As In Hill album. You can watch the interview with Mark on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with As in Hell. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. All right. Yes. Cool. Um, first off, I, I did read originally from Germany. Is that where you're still based? Yes. Uh, Berlin, Germany. Yes, that's, that's correct. Were you born in Berlin? Um, no, I'm actually not born in Berlin. It's um, I was born in, a, in the industrial area of Germany, an area called Dortmund, okay. uh, where there was like a the thrash movement from the 80s, like create bands like Creator and Sodom. They come from that area, so I was born into that kind of <laughs> uh, thrash uh, area surrounding kind of cities. You know. Oh, that's awesome. Was that uh, that's um were you i mean yeah growing up with that music was that something that you have always been uh into uh or kind of involved in and or prior to that were you do, playing in different bands um well i mean i discovered that's that or the rock music always like um was something that was around in my life because my mm -hmm. father was listening to whatever uh, led zeppelin stuff like that and sure. uh, Later on, I discovered my own stuff with the age of, let's say, 12, 13, with Iron Maiden, um, Judas Priest, stuff like that, and then went into the heavier stuff. And I mean, uh, back when I was like 14, 15, there were these bands from our area, um, like bands like Creator or Sodom, that released their first albums or demo tapes and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was natural to to hear that as well. But back then in the eighties, it was like a yeah a different thing. You know, it's music wasn't available all the time everywhere and so on. Mm -hmm. So it was more like um, I grew into this yeah kind of tape trading scene, and um, 
I'm not originally from a bigger city. It's more like a, a little village I'm actually from, you know. So it was always like a, a big effort to go into the next record store, into the next city and spend your pocket money on on, on <laughs> albums, you know. Sure. So, um, that's how it was in the 80s, you know. Um, and I think that was, um, um, yeah, I mean, it was difficult to get albums or, or music, but it also... Um, the music back then to me had more value kind of because it was you, you had to put effort in it to get it and then back with the vinyl stuff you know you 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 read every line on the album you watched every little detail on the cover and stuff like that so I think that's what's uh, really like a, a time where I was really like uh, influenced by that metal stuff and that really grabbed me you know and since uh, since then I, I never lost touch with the metal uh, metal scene kind of you know that's really interesting i, I haven't thought about that because yeah growing up it was like cds and vinyl and, and cassettes and having the physical copy and and when you get it you know you go through the liner notes or the booklet and, and really kind of dive into that and that that is is lost i mean for the next generation in, in a way with uh being able to access any song and any album just with the internet um, yeah, kind of, you know, it's like, um, I mean, I work uh, in an orphanage as a, as a social worker, you know, and I have oh, kids wow. in, in that age uh, that I was in when I discovered music, you know, and to them, it's like totally, you know, they, they can't even listen to one song, you know, they always swipe uh, <laughs> yeah. after after 10 seconds, and it drives me, drives me crazy sometimes, you know, even if the <laughs> Even if the stuff they they are listening to, it's sometimes better that they swipe it off really quick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, but it's uh, it's like that. It's it's uh, a generation that doesn't probably have the values anymore for like physical stuff. You know, they are so used to to use the the internet. You know, uh, but on the other hand, there are some some kids who. Um, rediscover the vinyl especially and I, I don't know how, how how it is in the states but especially in germany um or yeah germany i think there are a lot of like younger kids that are like probably the weirdos of their generation that uh, collect vinyl again you mm -hmm. know and buy buy vinyl stuff um which is great you know and uh, it's a little bit uh well uh, the hope is not lost yet. <laughs> oh yeah, no, hundred percent. And I feel like vinyl has made such a big comeback uh, when it comes to that. It just, it's a you know you have this bigger album, and a lot of people that, that are doing albums or or EPs and stuff. I feel like a lot of artists are releasing not just to Spotify and like the uh, you know streaming services, but then it'll be like and the album. Like I don't see a whole lot of CDs being sold as much as as far as it'd be like here's an album or a limited album and or the vinyl and then you can get the rest of the stuff on the streaming service yeah i think that's a great uh, thing that people can get in touch also back with vinyl again you know so um i i really like that you have this um this code on the vinyl and uh, you can listen to it online or on the streaming services and and have a physical copy which i think is great and it's always like a a, a haptic thing to get the vinyl out of the sleeve and also the <laughs> smell and stuff you know that's yeah. uh, that's totally reminds me in on my younger days you know if i if i open up a, a, a vinyl uh, sleeve you know it's like like you can smell it kind of you know how this uh, it has a certain smell of the good old days kind of 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, the certain smells bring you back. <laughs> exactly. And, it, and it, it's kind of a, a, a recall to the, uh, to the times when you were young and discovered, you know, all the bands and spent your pocket money on, on records where you read a great review in a magazine. And then hopefully it's not bad, you know, this kind of surprise when you first uh, put it on the, on the player and stuff. And uh, the little, you know, the noise, it makes yeah, the, it's, 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 it's a kind of a cozy feeling that you have with it, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. And even discovering bands, right. I mean, it was, instead of having like, here's similar artists or right. You know, it was like, I would go and you look at metal blade and the bands that they had signed or whatever the, the label was of the, the artists that you liked at the time. And it was like, Oh, well, I haven't heard these five bands that hopefully are good. Let's just buy the, the record and see what happens. Absolutely. I mean, back then it was, I mean, we were a gang of five people, you know, that became later became my band, you know, my bandmates. Mm -hmm. We always went together to that, that next bigger city, Dortmund, where we, everybody had like his uh, 20 Deutschmarks back then, you know, like $20 to buy one record or something. Mm -hmm. But you, of course, bought a different record, you know, and then you went home because you couldn't listen to the album before or maybe in the shop, yeah. bit, you know. But then went home and afterwards calling each other and say, yeah, this is great. And then if you bought a little, yeah, not so good. And I was like, oh, well, man, I, I think I got the. <laughs> the I got the shitty coffee. <laughs> the review was uh, was lying actually about this band, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh -huh. it's, yeah. But of course, back then also like tape, tape trading, mm -hmm. you taped everybody's uh uh, albums and then of course that's how the tape trading uh, started too you know and that's also because back then when we were young you know we uh yeah we just wanted to tape trade too and that was um what is the easiest way to get on tapes you form your own band you know so you have something to trade with you know so mm. uh and that was like the reason why we actually um or why why i formed my first band morgoth in that's a 87, you know, and did a, the first demo tape and then send it to other bands and you get ta tapes back. But it took, of course, a while, you know, like three weeks. And you were always like opening the letterbox and, and uh, full excitement if there's something from Sweden, from Florida and stuff like that, you know. And that's how I discovered actually the death metal stuff too, you know. So, oh, wow. Like the, uh, yeah, the very early days, you know, the late, late 80s, I would say, mid to late 80s. Did you start off like I mean, growing up? Did you come from a, a musical household? Though it sounded like you said your your parents were playing like Zeppelin and and, and those type of rock bands. But uh, is anyone else a musician in your household, or were you put in like piano lessons at an early age or guitar lessons, anything like that? No, not at all. <laughs> my father <laughs> was a teacher. My father was a Latin teacher. Okay. My mom. I mean, she. I mean, they liked music. You know, they they always played music in the car and on our journeys to wherever. You know, and we had um yeah we had a or my father had a collection of whatever Beatles, uh, Led mm -hmm. Zeppelin stuff. You know, um and it always like it, I always felt a connection to the stuff with a guitar. You know, always if I listened to a guitar a track with a guitar and back in the seventies when I was a kid, like five six years old. You know. I was I'm born or was born in 1970 so you of course heard the tapes uh from your parents in the car with all the pretty great stuff actually you know mm -hmm. and it always kicked me it always like I always had the connection to the guitar music you know not so much the pop or disco stuff that was 
a big thing in the 70s too. It was always like, oh, Kiss, you know, and stuff mm. like that, where it had a distorted guitar. So that was a little bit dangerous back then already. And if you looked into the covers and it was a little mystique around that, you know, and that always like, I uh, always had a connection to that. And that was, um, yeah, also like uh, why I uh, started listening to that stuff or the first record I bought myself was actually when I was 12, I think Iron Maiden Killers. Oh, wow. That's a great album. And I actually bought that album because only of the cover, you know, because I... Oh, just the Eddie on the front there. (laughs) So I was like, well, (laughs) this must be great. And it was great. So Right. You got lucky. Yeah, I mean, right, if you're going off a cover. So so that was the connection uh, with me and and music. I always had the connection with a distorted guitar that that hooked me, really, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And so you said you started a band early on. I mean, really to kind of do the tape trade and get bands and or hear other bands and get tapes from other people. And uh, like, at what point, I mean, you've been in a handful of bands, obviously, throughout your career. Like, um, at what point does do you remember kind of the bands getting bigger, like like the uh, kind of a milestone, like success moment and being like, wow, like this is so amazing that we're I'm able to do, you know, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. Yeah. I think it was, um, of course, when you f- when you first got your first record contract, you know, it's like uh, we were trade trading, of course, first, and because um, death metal, that kind of music was like, uh, I mean, not really popular in the early mm-hmm. uh, days of of when it came out. You know, of course, in the underground, you know, everybody was like, uh, yeah, really worshiping the most extreme stuff you know but it was only a very limited uh, circle of people you know and when we send it out our stuff you know with morgoth that was in 87 i think so um for most of the record companies we got never heard of them anymore you know so it was uh useless to to send stuff to them actually and there was only one record uh, record label back then central media um that um that liked the stuff and said, ah, oh, that's great, you know, and, and um, we want to do a record out of this, you know, so, or an album. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time when I first hold my own vinyl in my hands, you know, with my music, with me singing on it, or with me back then playing bass on it. Uh, that was something special. And it was 89, I think. So from then on, of course, that was a kind of proud moment. Mm-hmm. And from then on, with like touring with bands that you have, been connected to with uh, within the tape trading scene like for example the first uh, tour with um, autopsy or with obituary mm-hmm. and then with massacre which was like before massacre was mantas and death and those people who were connected in the in the florida that death metal scene you know you you knew them all from the tape trading kind of thing and then finally you go on tour with these guys you know and that was a kind of like Back then, still more like a family kind of moment, kind of, you mm-hmm. know, for most of the American bands um, we toured with, that was their first time in Europe as well, like touring, you know, like, and it was like total excitement for them as well. Nowadays, I mean, Obituary and, and all these bigger bands are in the yeah. scene for like 35 years now. And to them, <laughs> right. touring Europe is nothing special anymore. But back, back then, it was like really exciting to, to see how people were like reacting and uh, how the Americans said, wow, this is so different from, 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 from the States. Why do you put mayonnaise on, on, on your, on your French fries? Like <laughs> in the thing, you know, we had that yeah. moment before, you know, 
when we oh, were that's with, so cool. uh, with the American bands that came over in the late eighties. Like I think the first tour we did was with, with Autopsy in uh, late eighty nine, and then mm-hmm. uh, Obituary was nineteen ninety. The tour, you know, and uh, the tour with uh, Massacre was ninety one, and that was kind of a, an excitement too, you know. Also. When the wall came down back then, you know, it was like the, mm-hmm. uh, the Iron Curtain fell and a lot of people in the Eastern Bloc were so excited to, to and hungry for this kind of music. You know, it was like insane concerts and insane shows we had with those guys and uh, and on those tours, you know, that was great. And that was a pretty strong moment too, you know. When oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the first band you were in, you were the bass player? You didn't sing or you were the singer and bass player? I was singing and playing bass. Okay. I was uh, playing bass in the band called Morgoth and singing in the band called Morgoth until uh, we did, I did two albums where I played the bass too and sang. But then it got too complicated with the songwriting and singing. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, a moment where I had to had to to um, yeah to make up my mind what would I really like to be like more the bass player in the background or <laughs> well the front man you know so. Uh, and it was easier to 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 find a bass player than to, to uh, find a frontman, I think. So, and it, yeah. I was more interested in, in in doing that also. So I um, I quit the bass, and uh, yeah, once in a while I'm 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 still noodling around a little bit here and there, <laughs> but not really serious. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Wow. I, I mean, just the you've been in a hand, so many so many bands and 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 been able to really do this for so many i mean since the 80s at 80 87 was when that band started and um i'm curious to like how do you then because as in hell is just like a new new project and and you guys all kind of came together when when did the relationship start with uh the other guys in the band and like how did this band end up forming Hmm. um well, with my first band Morgoth, we played a lot of times in 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 Denmark, okay. and in the mid '90s. And back then, Dominus, the band from Mike from Michael Paulson, back then, yeah, um, that was supporting before Volbeat was, was exactly. the band. Okay, so not a lot of people know that he was playing in a death metal band before he formed Volbeat, you know. But uh, yeah, Dominus was a, a band that he had before, and we played some shows together in Denmark, and we had the same distribution company in Denmark so that's how we got in touch first you know so that lasts back until yeah let's say all, also almost uh, 30 years too you know oh my gosh um, but then we kind of lost touch um in the let's say early 2000s and I didn't even know what happened to Dominus back then and I, and I didn't even know that uh Michael was um um forming a new band and I was a little bit out of that scene kind of you know and, mm-hmm. and uh, um like uh, in 2008 or 2009 michael hooked me up or called wrote me a letter or, or, or an email uh when i released an album with my band insidious disease back then mm-hmm. and he wrote me oh mark i heard your album insidious disease um um shadow cast that's a fucking brutal album great and uh, i was like oh michael yeah, yeah i haven't seen or talked to you for like ages how are you doing and he was like yeah i'm great i'm doing great uh i have a band called volbeat and uh actually next month we're gonna play in berlin you know uh, do you want to come around and we play with uh, entombed i said oh wow they're playing with entombed you know so that was 2010 i think 
and uh, and then I went to the show. You know, I said like, man, this. I mean, that's a lot of people, man. And two must have grown so huge, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and also, these people look a little bit different, you know, more like the rockabilly people. So was man what happened to entombed you know and i was still expecting to be entombed headlining you know right right and when i entered the uh, arena or the big venue it was like a 8000 capacity venue i was like man entombed are already on what's so volbeat is actually the one that is the headlining band i was like totally shocked you know and i didn't even know i mean i i kind of lost touch with a uh, with that kind of scene a little bit so I was uh, totally confused when I saw, man, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. And after the show, we had a great chat, you know, and, and of course I knew the Entube guys too, and it was like, wow, great show and blah and so on. And Michael, yeah, we, me and Michael had a good chat back then already about like, yeah, he's he's always, has always been into death metal. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and since then we never lost touch again and we were always talking, yeah, one day we're going to do a death metal project together or something, you know, but oh, I, knew wow. I was expecting because Volbeat was so yeah, busy and getting bigger and bigger and playing mm -hmm. almost uh, stadium size um, uh, um, arenas and stuff like that. I was uh, thinking, yeah, this is not going to happen. You know that we, yeah, this is just a conversation. Metal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, like uh, two years ago, he called me up and said, Mark, now is the time to do it. And are you up? And I said, well, yeah, if you are, you know, I'm I'm, I'm on. Oh, wow. And so what, how does it start? Does uh, does Michael have like music that he's going to send you? Like, how how does the project begin? Um, uh, well, I mean, I think it started actually with um, with Michael writing stuff for the last album, Servant of the Mind. Mm -hmm. uh, the last Volbeat album where he had some riffs already that were too heavy for Volbeat and he put that aside a bit and, and let it rest for a couple of months or something and then this uh, special moment had happened where LG Petrov from Entombed tried to call him before he died you know oh wow uh, yeah michael wasn't able to pick up the phone because he was on the register one one day and the other day was uh, in the middle of the night where lg tried to call him and then uh the next couple of days he died actually so he was michael was really sad about that that he couldn't pick up the phone and it was because probably lg wanted to say goodbye or something like that you know yeah, and that was kind of a, a a thing that made michael really uh yeah really sad you know and uh yeah and he was thinking man this is uh, something yeah really really uh, tragic that i couldn't pick or speak with him again and one morning he went on a on a i think on a on a, a, a run or something and all of a sudden he had his iphone or ipod playing entombed i'm full of hell you know so uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, so he didn't press a button, and he said, "He said it's like this is a call from LG that I have to do this death metal project now." Yeah, you know, it was like, a, and then he picked up the phone and called me and said, "Dude, you have we have to do it now." And I said, "All right, yeah." And um, he had some some stuff written already or put together already from uh, from from that uh, riff that he put aside when he was writing "Servant of the Mind" for Volbeat. So uh, yeah, that was when pre pretty quick he uh, 
He sent me some stuff that he recorded together with his friend Morton from Raunchy mm -hmm. uh, in this little garage. Nothing special, you know, just like a little little amp and a little uh, drum set and an old guitar, you know, no fancy pantsy uh, recording stuff. It was just like recorded with an iPhone. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that, that's great. You know, I tried to sing bring some some vocal ideas um, onto that and I went to a, a friend of mine who has who's running a studio and just put some ideas on onto it and then we exchanged kind of the files because I mean they live in Denmark I live in Berlin so uh, we exchanged some files and um, it was kind of a, this old school feeling uh, that I felt you know with like when I recorded like back back then, you know, we always recorded with a just like a tape tape recorder, you know. Yeah, like a four track really, or something. Really shitty, um, <laughs> whatever uh, microphone. It's and it didn't sound really good, you know. But it was like this this kind of cozy feeling we had, you know, this old school kind of uh, uh, tape trading uh, feeling we had when when we exchanged the the files, you know. And that's how it came together very quickly, you know. It's like this album was written only in like let's say six eight to eight months i would say wow and was it all done kind of remotely like that or did you guys eventually once the the you know it was like sending back and forth and it was like oh this is this is a really cool thing let's let's uh get together and write the album or was it all done kind of that sh file sharing way yeah it was pretty pretty much only doing uh, the file sharing uh, stuff because i mean they send it or they Actually, him and Martin, the drummer, they always had like it's called Death Metal Friday. <laughs> <laughs> always met Fridays when they're. I mean, they have both kids in the same age, you know, six years, and they were playing together. They are good friends, actually. The kids, you know. Oh, and, that's cool. Yeah. And both of the daddies went into the garage while the kids and the and moms were uh, playing with the kids on the porch or in the garden, and they were went into. Moller's uh, man cave and uh, recorded some death metal stuff, you know. So uh, and yeah, it was basically it was only like the t uh, the the yeah exchanging files and stuff. And I was doing that stuff um, or sending ideas over where I would sing this and that. And Michael had some ideas too, where he just like sang in in his iPods and or iPhone and and uh -huh. uh, sent it to me like very simple, like very rudimentary, you know, like um, very uh, yeah you could almost say unprofessional kind of you know or, yeah yeah not, nothing really fancy very uh, from the heart kind of or from the stomach you know mm -hmm. if you had an idea it was like yeah you, you try this on that riff and, uh you know very uh <laughs> simple but it reminded me back uh on those days where i started actually being in a band and that was kind of a cool feeling you know brought back some mem memories where i tried to record stuff with my tape recorder and had to stay exactly on that place on that shelf to press uh, um, uh, record, yeah, record. <laughs> everything perfect or kind of perfect uh, on the tape you know on the on the on the cassette actually so mm -hmm. it was kind of uh, yeah fun and very simple to do but uh, actually we the first time we really met was when we met in the studio actually to record oh really stuff. yeah yeah we never oh, rehearsed wow. before. <laughs> So it was just going back and forth, getting the songs together, and then everyone meeting in the studio to put it down on the on the album. Yeah, and also the, stu the in the studio it was really quick. You know, we we didn't. I mean, they rehearsed very often and very. They were really tight with the songs. You know, already when they entered the studio. So 
and it was almost played live, you know, in the li in a live atmosphere. So we only had like actually one week for for the recordings. And wow. let's say, yeah, let's say ten days, you know, one week for the for the um, instruments and three or four days for my vocal stuff. So there was not a, a long studio time, you know. It was more like back in the old school days as well, where you didn't have the money to uh, or you couldn't afford an expensive studio or to stay in a studio for such a long time, you know, mm -hmm. it's a death metal band, you know? So it was, yeah, really quick and really, yeah. Uh, just a punch in the face. One first take sometimes, you know, and then that's it. <laughs> wow. That's cool. That's really cool. I, I love hearing just you talk about like those old recording processes and, and, you know, even recording on the iPhone or on the old tape. Like, I think there's something cool. Like there's some like, grid and like you can really hear really the authenticity of the of the whole thing when you when you when you do it that way i feel like yeah i think that's really important you know to have um to have it authentic you know not to not to overproduced you know i think mm -hmm. I, I i mean i really like the sound that uh, jacob hansen did mm -hmm. on the no the album is awesome it doesn't have that sound, super but... super polished sound to it yeah yeah it's it's a great sound but it's not so you know it just happened, you know, because whatever, we didn't put so much effort into everything, you know, it was more like, even if there was a little, little mistake, you know, back in the day or in the, in the late, late eighties or mid two thousands, you would have said, nah, it's not the perfect notes. Mm. It has to be perfect. And we said, ah, fuck that. You know, it's like, just leave <laughs> that bit, you know, even if there's a little mistake, it's, it makes it breathe. It makes it authentic, as you said, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Um, and you also have like two other bands that you were doing at the same time. Like that's got got to be a lot going on, right? Uh, well, I mean, my main band is Insidious Disease that I yeah. have with um, uh, Silenos from uh, Dimo Borgia and Shane from Napalm Death and a couple of other guys. You know, so uh, that's my main band nowadays. But I also have like two other bands called This Creation and. Uh, yeah. Demos Dawn and another project um, that is called uh, Leper, uh, Leper Colony. Oh, um, wow. I was only aware of, yeah, Insidious <laughs> Disease and <laughs> Discreation. Yeah. Actually, that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy, you know, it's like, uh, and of course, it's uh, the, the, the COVID years pay ah, uh, sure. tribute to that too, you know, it's because like people are asking me, oh, shall we do the an album together? And was like, yeah, you, you never, I mean, you know, I, you never know when you're going to be back on stage again. So I was like having time to do studio stuff too. So uh, that's when all the, <laughs> the, the other bands uh, flourish kind of, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, unfortunately or not fortunately, um, they got all released in the same year now. So I have together with S and hell, I've put out like four records this year. So this is kind of like, well, it's a little bit because every record label wanted to release it now, you know, because yeah, it's over and and they wanted to get it out so yeah it's uh it's kind of strange that uh, the year 2023 is uh the year where i put out four records i, I guess this <laughs> is never going to have uh, going to happen again i think <laughs> yeah oh my gosh are you doing i mean even with with as and hell are you guys doing like a tour to support the album or like playing any shows i didn't see a whole lot of like touring scheduled or was i miss missing something here <laughs> Uh, 
um, we're not going to tour. We're not going to like do like a six week tour in the States, six weeks in, uh, yeah. in Europe because it's, we have our usual job. We have our day jobs, you know, uh, at least uh, the drummer and me. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we're going to play only festivals next year. So next year, festival season, uh, we're going to play a lot of shows. Um, yeah. On the summer festivals, especially here in Europe, we have a lot of, great festivals here so uh, i don't know about the the states there are some some festivals uh, in the states or some maybe maybe a little tour on the east coast maybe a little show in the west coast or something if that's going to happen or support mm-hmm. other bands um for a shorter per- period of time but it's uh, not possible to do like a, a full tour with like uh, especially in the, in the states if you or north america if you do a full circuit it's like uh yeah, six to eight weeks usually. Oh yeah, it's a big, big. There's a lot of space to cover, right? I mean, like exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. in Europe, you can hit a bunch of different countries pretty fairly quickly. Yeah, and we both have, you know, we all have kids, you know, we all have regular jobs. I mean, death metal doesn't pay my bills, you know. <laughs> so I, I have to work um, as a social worker. So uh, yeah, and I'm uh, spending my my holidays for 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 shows, you know, for, yeah. for touring, you know, so, and it's only a limited uh, amount of uh, holidays I can take. So, yeah, but it will, uh, there will be live shows for sure. And uh, festival appearances. That's exciting. Well, thank you, Mark, for doing this. I, I, it's been a great uh, time hanging out with you. I really appreciate it. And thanks for being so flexible on the reschedule and everything. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, sorry again for, <laughs> oh, no, no need to apologize. I have one more question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, well, I mean, nowadays it's. I think it's even more hard to to get recognized. You know, so of course, if you're a young band, and I'm speaking as a 53 year old old man, um, and if you have the time and if you have the effort, just play live as much as you can, and just like it's 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 a lot of work, but. Um, if you believe in the dream, um, just follow that, you know, follow your dream. And um, yeah, but on the other hand, I would say also have in mind, you know, a musical career isn't, um, you can't take it for granted, you know, so for kids, you know, also you you should expect not to make it, you know, uh, that's also like a, a thing that I uh, have to say, you know, it's like, Follow your dreams, but also keep in mind, have a second op- opportunity to to do, you know, after uh, maybe your band is not going to break it or not going to make any money for you. you know? Bring it in backwards.